Hello and welcome to the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode 103. Happy September, guys. We made it to September and what a way to start with two breaking news today. Welcome to the more to the news of Russell Wilson getting extended by the Broncos. And we kind of expected that when he got traded there. It was like it's all the stuff they gave up to, to get him. They're for surely gonna resign him, extend him. And we get that today. He signs a five-year, $245 million extension, 165 guaranteed. We'll talk about that. And if that wasn't enough for today, Donovan Mitchell finally gets his trade, and it's not to the Knicks. It's to the Cavs. The Cavs are going to be good. Are they going to be con- like legit title contenders? Probably not right away. They still probably need one more piece, but it's a good trade for the Cavs. The Jazz completely blow it up. They have traded their two franchise centerpieces. They're going to do a full rebuild. We'll talk about that too. We also got to talk about day two and day three of the U.S. Open. It's in full swing. Day four is currently going on right now. Um, we're in the latter stages of day four, but I just want to talk about day two, day three real quick. Then I'll make a separate uh, episode about today, day four. And then let's also talk about the Premier League match day five. United win their third straight game. They are now nine points. After losing their first two, they... They have definitely bounced back. They look better. Um, they are playing this Leicester team that's... They did play this Leicester team that's, you know, fighting for relegation right now. They look terrible. But good for Manchester. They seem to get... Um, they seem to be back on track. Also, Liverpool squeaked out a victory. Wolves are struggling mightily. Um, Chelsea's struggling. Free <laughs> free Pulisic. But all of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started so we wake up this morning to the news that the broncos and russell wilson have agreed to a five-year 245 million dollar extension 165 million guaranteed and now they have them for the next seven years for 296 million dollars massive deal obviously you know you got to hit up the group chats you, you wake up i'm waking up <clears throat> this was like what how long ago was it uh, it was like six in the morning seven in the morning and i'm like wow this is crazy group chats going off everyone's talking about it at first i was like damn that's a lot of money then i compared it to the aaron Rodgers deal then i compared it to the sean watson and then compared it to uh kyler murray and i'm like all right it was it was a decent amount of money i feel like he definitely could have gotten more with the leverage that he had with the new owner that he has with the broncos with all the assets that they gave up to get him like they're definitely gonna just pay him and give him like a deal he could have probably gotten more guaranteed money i know lamar jackson's fighting for a fully guaranteed deal this probably doesn't help him and uh it just seems seven years over 296 it's like by all means it's great it's amazing but if you look at it on the per year basis he's making about uh let's see four 44 44 a year um over the seven years and it looks like the last four years are not guaranteed so you know or the last three years are not guaranteed the first four are so we'll see how this plays out. They, all I know is that they're going all in. Right now, Russell Wilson's 33. The years that are not guaranteed are the last three, I believe. So he'll be 30, 37 at that time. So we'll see how these next four years go. Um, if Russell Wilson actually makes it to the end of this contract when he'll be 40. Um, NFL quarterbacks, now more than ever, they could play till they're 40. Like, they're definitely... This is the era where they've been protected the most, where they take the less hits, where it seems like they take better care of their body too. So with 
you know, with the rule changes, with like the way they take care of themselves, with all this new technology and science that's going into preserving your body, I could definitely see um, Russell Wilson making it to the end of this contract or at least playing till he's 40. I don't know if he'll make it to the end of this contract. I, I have to believe somewhere along the lines it'll get restructured. That's usually what happens with these long deals. But overall, it's it's a great deal for Russell Wilson. It's a great deal for the Broncos. I believe, from what I'm reading, they did have a lot of cap space for this year, so they front-loaded some of this. Um, and he gets a pay raise for this year, so it's all good. It's good for Russell Wilson. Um, it's good for the Broncos. Like I, right here, it says, that, yeah, they gave him a $33 million raise in 2022 from $24 million to $57. He gets $85 million over the two years, the first two years. And then he gets 124 over the, the first three years. Oh, he has four year, non-guaranteed years. So this might just be a three-year deal uh, when it's all said and done. And he had two years left. So I don't know. I don't know. I think Russell Wilson, uh, like the, three, the first three, the, the money that he's getting these three years, he'll be 36. Maybe Russell Wilson thinks when he's 36, he could... Um, get a better deal but yeah Tom Pelissero is basically saying that with Aaron Rodgers getting 150 over three years Deshaun Watson getting 138 Kyler Murray getting 106 Russell Wilson getting 124 over three years is you know probably not the not the hottest deal for a guy in his position but yeah if you look at the highest average salary per year now Russell Wilson is 49 Aaron Rodgers 50.3 Kyler Murray, 46. Deshaun Watson, 46. Patrick Mahomes, 45. Josh Allen, 43. Derek Carr, 40. That's crazy. Three of the top seven quarterbacks in average salary now play in the AFC West. And you got to imagine it's going to be four out of the next eight. Derek Carr is the seventh. So if you add uh, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, to keep Derek Carr in there, you're going to have to you know, push him down, change the stat to eight. So basically four out of the top eight once... Actually, it might change because Lamar Jackson and all these other quarterbacks. But as of now, three of the top seven quarterbacks are in the AFC West, which is crazy. And uh, what do you guys think? What are you guys' reaction? My first thoughts was like, damn, that's a lot of money. Then I was like, he probably could have gotten more. And then it all came down to, damn, Patrick Mahomes hooked up the the case, the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, he hooked them up, like, big time. And... People were talking about that deal was going to look good in five, six, seven years. Like, because all the contracts, we didn't even have to wait that long. It's year, like, three or two, year three, I think, of his 10-year extension, and it already looks amazing. It already looks like the year, the contract of the century. And either Patrick Mahomes just loves KC and trusts that organization are going to, you know, make him right at some point, or he was a little naive, which is what a lot of people said when he got that big contract because it did look huge 450 over 10 years but like Deshaun Watson Kyler Murray Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers are getting paid more than him this year that's crazy even the Josh Allen deal looks a little a little good now 43 like it's just it's crazy that it's all just timing it's all just when you when you're up like you get paid more which is crazy but what do you guys think about this deal I mean doesn't really change anything for this year like it's not like Russell Wilson was gonna leave or like you know he was on his final year so is he gonna play less motivated you know there's some deals where like now that they sign him for seven years he's gonna play more relaxed he has that 
contract security. Like we all kind of knew he was going to be set and they were going to give him a deal. So I don't think this really changes anything for this year or the next few years. Um, if anything, it might change anything, something with KC. Like Pat, how long, how many more contracts till Patrick Mahomes is like, hey, it's time to, it's time to restructure my deal. Like, yeah, this it was gravy. It's all good. I, I know I signed it. But I am this team. I'm the franchise. I run the city. Like, <laughs> give me more money. And I think everyone will agree that he deserves it. But the second news that of today that was very interesting, that caught everyone's attention in the sports world, is Donovan Mitchell gets traded from the Jazz to the Cavs. Sorry, Nick fans. I know you guys were pumped up. You guys, I, there were some people that were probably already ordering jerseys with Mitchell on the back. But unfortunately, he's going to the Cavs. He's going to the Cavs. He joins a young cast. The starting lineup projected is looking like Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen with Ricky Rubio, Levert, Osman, and Kevin Love on the bench. That's a very solid team. Is it a real title contender? Is it a team that could push for the Eastern Conference Finals? Possibly. Can they realistically compete with the Warriors and some of these West teams for the championship? Probably not. They're still a piece away, in my opinion. But they're definitely on the right track. Cavs are making some moves. It's good for them. The full trade details are Donovan Mitchell goes to Cleveland and the Jazz get Laurie Markinen, Ocher, Agbaji, Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks. And two pick swaps. And Sexton, uh, who I believe was a free agent, did agree to a sign and trade to to join um, Utah. So there you go. Um, good luck to Sexton, Utah. We'll see if Lauren Markinen, I believe on like his fourth team now, could like get something done. And the rest, we'll see what happens. Unprotected first round picks, two pick swaps. Now the Jazz really have like a lot a lot a lot of, of stuff to work with like if you look at what they got for donovan mitchell and rudy gobert you get malik beasley uh tht because they flip patrick beverly stanley johnson bamaro walker kessler vanderbilt markinen agbaji sexton a 23rd 23 first round pick a 22 25 um 2025 first round picks two 2026 pick swaps a 27, two 2027 20, first round picks, a 28 pick swap, and two 29 first round picks. Like, that's crazy. They got, they basically, after 2023 and then 2024, which, no, but I still think they have their own picks. So they're going to have two picks in 23, one pick in 24, three picks in 25, uh, pick swaps in 26. Which they could like just keep on keep on flipping, and then uh, two three picks in twenty seven, three picks in twenty nine. That's crazy. Um, a lot of them have protections, so but we'll see. <laughs> this is crazy, man. The Jazz got a lot, and you know that's Danny Ainge working his magic with the Jazz. We'll see. We'll see if anything happens. We'll see if anything happens uh, in the Jazz in the next few years. Like. This is a full rebuild. Like this is not like no small rebuild. They blew the team up. They blew the team up, but like we'll see how bad they are this year. Um, but the future, they're they're running that OKC strategy. They're trying to build build 
as many draft capital as you can and build through the draft or just have enough picks where eventually one of these disgruntled stars is going to want out and you're going to have picks to trade for them. Um, but yeah, we'll see how the Jazz approach works. Um, I think they had to do this. I think this is the right things to do because Donovan Mitchell and Gobert were just not. They had a ceiling. They had a clear ceiling, and it was like the second round, at most the conference final. But they could never, like them two as the main stars, could never win it for the Jazz. And I'm just sorry. That, that was a hard truth. But um, but yeah. So I think this is the right way. They had to do this. They had to do this. Seven first round picks, three first round um, swaps, and a bunch of players that are probably gonna get waived. Um, some of them are rookies. So they'll probably get playing time. A lot of them might get waived. I'm looking at like Stanley Johnson, who did good with the Lakers, but he's probably one of those like on wave alert. Laurie Markinen on his third, fourth team. We'll see how they do. We'll see how they do. But um, I think the the real question should uh should shift to uh Cleveland. You know, they should like like Woj says they had a three time All Star, three years left, and they have Jared Allen. Um, two other all-stars, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and a future all-star in Evan Momley. Like, Evan Momley is the truth. Like, he, like they could really have, like, four, like, really young players. Jared Allen, as far as, like, a center that's going to play, like, defend the rim and play above the rim, be a, be a good pick-and-roll player, he's probably one of the better ones. He's probably one of the elite ones. Um, how important is that in today's NBA? You know, just a big rim protecting, pick and roll running center that could switch on people. You know, we'll see uh, if he could develop a shot. Then it'll be nasty. But like I said, I think I like their team. Their team looks good. Their team has a lot of potential. Like as it stands right now, I don't think they are title contenders. But like I said, they are very young and they have a lot of potential. So if any of these players takes that step, and even Donovan Mitchell, I think, could still take another step. Like he could. He could improve his defense. He could have a more consistent three. Like Donovan Mitchell, by no means is a is a f- made player already. Like he's great. He's a three time All Star, and, and I love Donovan Mitchell. But he could definitely still get better, especially if they space the floor a little bit more for him. If they have more athletic players playing with him, and they have other people that can handle the ball. Like it's not just always Donovan Mitchell. Like the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers could be a problem. They could definitely be a problem. So I'm happy for the Cavaliers. It's a good trade. And like I said, as of today, because you never know if players are going to improve, if they're going to stay stagnant. I don't think they're legit NBA Finals contenders. But like I said, like who's to say Darius Garland and Jared Allen don't get better? Donovan Mitchell doesn't get better. Evan Molney gets better. It's like, come on. Like they could definitely get all take like a step forward. They're very young. And then boom, they're right there. As of right now, I got to see that improvement first. But we'll check back on this. We'll check back on this for both sides. I think both sides are low-key legit winners. Like for the Cavaliers, they get a proven all-star, proven star in the league who has done amazing stuff in the playoffs. Maybe not the last two seasons, but in the bubble. And I think the year before, he was like amazing in the playoffs. And they get someone to lead these rookies. And we'll see if any of these rookies end up, or not rookies, but younger players end up surpassing Donovan Mitchell and maybe taking that alpha role from him. And then and then we'll see how far they go. But overall, I think it's a good trade for both of them. The Jazz finally get something for Donovan Mitchell. They finally blow it up. We'll see what happens over there. 
And for Cleveland, I think they get a great player to lead these younger players. And we'll see how it goes. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. The East is definitely getting better. And I'm just excited for the season. And we are currently in day four of the U.S. Open. We have a lot to talk about in day four. Alcaraz looked amazing. But I quickly wanted to go over day two and day three. Um, there's some stuff that I've been wanting to get off my chest. I just wanted to talk about. Uh, hopefully, you guys want to hear about it. Uh, but yeah, let's get to it. Uh, day two was on Tuesday. And Schwartzman defeated Jack Sock. I wanted to touch on this real quick because I do feel for Sock. He played an amazing, amazing match up until, you know, his fitness. Those nagging injuries came back to get him again. And he had to retire. After winning 6-3 and 7-5 and looking amazing against Schwartzman, he gets bageled in the third, and you kind of see it coming. It's the, the writing's on the wall. You're like, not again, man. Not again for this guy who struggled with injuries, who's looked good this year, who's played a lot of matches, actually, who's played a lot of double matches. He won um, He won DC with Kyrios, and he looked good. Um, and he was looking good against Schwartzman, the number 14 seed, and you're like, okay, like this is the Jack Sock we know. And then he got hurt, and you're like, yeah, this is the Jack Sock we know, too. And it's just sad, man. I hope Jack Sock is nothing serious, and I hope he gets back, hopefully, like, soon. And, like, this offseason, I think Jack Sock just needs to work on that fitness. Like, we've seen Jack Sock be hurt and come back, and he's still a quality player. So he could, he could, be, he could miss time for injury and where he's not practicing as much on his racket, and he's still a very quality player. So maybe this offseason he could, like – you know, probably relax a little bit with the racket and just work on his fitness. Just, just get as fit as he can. I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking like Fish uh, from that documentary on Netflix, uh, who is now I think the captain for the U.S. team in the Davis Cup. Like he was just a he never fulfilled his potential, and then he just took tennis seriously and got super fit, and then he got uh, he made it like far, and he was like the number the number one player, Marty Fish. If you guys haven't seen uh that documentary is great um <clears throat> but yeah that's that's the comparison that i kind of see with jack sock like bro just hit the hit the gym get fit just get super fucking fit and then you, we, we could tell that you're already an amazing tennis player but thankfully jack Sock's not the oldest player i know these injuries are super 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 annoying but hopefully we see him back on tour this year and uh he keeps playing great uh, another thing that happened on Tuesday, Nadal plays, played against Hijikita in the first round. Lost the first set. You know, was a little was a little um, scary for us Nadal fans, but he quickly turned it around the second, 1-6-2, 1-6-3, and 1-6-3 in the fourth to close it out. Good for Nadal, who plays today, actually. Um, we'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit or later on. But he did look good. Nadal, who hasn't lost a U.S. Open match since 2019, looked good. I, like I said, the first round, the first set was something else. After that, he corrected himself and uh, he won comfortably. And we'll see how far he goes. Like I said, there's a lot of big players out already. Um, like a lot of big players. Like Felix lost. Um, my boy Fritz lost. TC Paz lost. Like, it, like, maybe they're not on his path, but like I said, the field is getting. A lot of upsets. Uh, my boy Tiafo beat Jerome in straight sets. So good for Tiafo. I like that. Shapovalov won. Uh, this is all on Tuesday. So just make sure day two. Uh, we're just recapping day two real quick. Hercats won. Uh, Fognini won. Sets up a match with Nadal. He's the last person 
he's the only person to be down two sets against uh, Nadal in a major and came, come back and win. I believe that's the stat that I read. It might be the U.S. Open, but I think it's overall. So that should be a good one. Uh, Brooks B beat like Lakovic. Um, Musetti wins. Sinner wins. Uh, is there any who else? Rublev won, and I believe he won today again too. So congrats for oh Isner. Isner won and he hurt his his wrist, so that was very unfortunate for Isner. He did have to retire. Um, he did have to uh exit the tournament, even though he did win the bonus. He did he did beat the bonus in straight sets. Alcaraz looked good against Baez. Uh, Bias had to retire too, but it was two of the best sets in the tournament. Um, Cameron Norrie beat Ben Poir, and it was just Cameron Norrie showed his class. And on Wednesday, day three of the of the U.S. Open, Medvedev wins. Felix, the number six seed, gets beat in straight sets, and it's more of the same with Felix. Like, when is he gonna get it together? Like, he seems he was defending semifinal points two and he just loses in the second round so he's gonna his ranking's gonna fall off what do you guys think about felix is he ever gonna get it together and win a major he's still 21 so he still has a long way to go or 22 now but he still has a long way to go but you expect him to go deeper more consistently in these tournaments and yesterday was not his day he loses curios look good uh wins in four sets against bonzi curios is always an entertainment entertainment like I think all the fans, from what I was seeing on TV, it looked very, very uh, happy with the entertainment. Obviously, Kirill's did what Kirill's does. He berates him, but, like, you know, he's he's going through some stuff, too. doesn't excuse his behavior sometimes on court, but I did see his Instagram post, something about his mom, uh, happy birthday to his mom, and how he misses her, and, you know, he wishes he could be there. And it's just tough being an Australian and, and traveling, like, having this much travel as an Aussie. It's, it's pretty insane. Tommy Paul beats Corda in a battle of Americans. Like, I'm still waiting for Corda to maybe get a little better. I actually really like his game, and he seems to be very up and down. I think right now he's down. His ranking's kind of slipping a little bit. Hopefully, he can turn it around. Andy Murray looks great again in the second round. Uh, after losing the first set to the American Nava, he takes the next three, 6 3, 6 1, 6 0. It's the first time he's made it to the third round of the U.S. Open in like six years, I believe. So good for Andy Murray. I'm a big Andy Murray fan, and I'm happy. I'm happy to see him. He sets up a scintillating, tasteful match against Berrettini. Hopefully you guys watch that. I think it's going to be a great match tomorrow on Friday. And uh, what else? Uh, Bublik is out. He's always entertainment, too. He Sometimes he doesn't care enough about tennis, but... He lost to Pablo Carreño, and Deminar gets through defeating Garin. And on the women's side, unfortunately, on Tuesday, day two, Naomi Osaka did lose to Collins in straight sets. Osaka, like, I don't know what she has to do, but she has really been struggling as of late. And she gets out in the first round. I think this is the first year in, like, three years that she's not going to win a major. I think since 2019 is the first year that she's not going to at least win one in a calendar year. So that's crazy. Uh, Emma Raducano loses in the first round, too, to Comet. Her ranking's going to slip. I think she's going from 11 or, like, 14 to to 80s. In the 80s, she, had, she was defending championship points. So that's a lot of points. She's going to drop a lot. Maybe 
this would do her some good because all that pressure from winning the U.S. Open and having that high ranking and like being the favorite in every match, it could, it's, it could be a lot for someone as young as her. Um, so we'll see. Unfortunate for Raducanu, I did want to see her go far, but now she falls to the rankings. My girl Paula Badosa goes through. Um, spoiler alert: she loses today, but we're, this is about day two and day three. Um, and then for day three, let's talk about day three real quick since it's more recent. Layla Fernandez loses in the second round, so she's gonna fall rankings a lot too. She was defending final points. And she gets eliminated in the second round. More more of the same as Raducanu. I think she's been doing a little better, actually. She has more wins since the U.S. Open of last year. But um, I think it's more of the same. Like, they're very young. And they had all this pressure from both of their amazing runs at the U.S. Open last year. And now that they're going to lose all those points, yeah, it sucks. Their ranking's going to go way lower. But I think they're going into tournaments now with less pressure. Um, they're going to be one of the lower seeds in these tournaments so they're gonna have tougher matchups so they might go on some losing streaks which it's it's the growing pains of the tour so unfortunate to see both of them bow out of the tournament so quickly in round one and round two but it is what it is and it's part of the growing pains and i hope both of them have the mental fortitude to just keep it pushing and keep it going because they do look like budding stars and we'll see how far how they bounce back from this but the main the main the main story from day three on the woman's side is Serena Williams defeats the second seed in three sets. They go the distance. She wins a crucial tiebreak in the first set, loses 6-2 in the second set. And you figured that, okay, maybe maybe she's running out of legs. Maybe um, maybe Consovelt could turn this around and she's going to see it through. And, you know, this is it for Serena Williams. But like the warrior that she is, she comes back in the third set and wins it 6-2, getting getting energy from the stadium, getting energy from New York, from Arthur Ashe Stadium. And she got it done. So two down, what is it, like four to go if she was to win this whole thing. So Wendy Williams makes it to the third round. She plays tomorrow. It's going to be electric. It's going to be amazing if she somehow wins the third round, goes I mean, because she's playing the second seed, so she kind of takes over the path for that second seed. So we'll see. We'll see um, if she could get if she got over this hurdle. Um, she might be able to get some over some of these upcoming hurdles, and we could potentially see Serena Williams in a Cinderella story to end this magical story of hers in like the most amazing way ever. Like I'm already getting giddy just thinking about like thinking of her making it to the finals, making it deep into the tournament, like how crazy that would be. And like the GOAT of her, she's obviously, she was obviously never going to lose in the first round or the second round. Like this is who Serena Williams is. I'm super pumped up. She makes it through to the third round and we'll see how she does on Friday. Also, Coco Golf wins again on Arthur Ashe Stadium, um, rocking those new shoes that she has. If you haven't seen them, they're freaking fire, especially the, the 90s edition ones with the lime green and the red and the blue. Those are super nice. Uh, but yeah, that should do it for day two and day three. That's kind of what happened. I just quickly wanted to talk on it. Um, but yeah, what do you, what have your thoughts been on day two and day three of the U.S. Open? Has it been living up to the, your expectations? For me, as, as long as Serena Williams is going through, like 
and Nadal, hopefully. Uh, this is is already an amazing U.S. Open. And today, Serena Williams and Venus are scheduled to play doubles. So stick around for my coverage of day four. We'll talk. We'll talk about uh, what happens in day four. But that's what's been going on at the U.S. Open for day two and day three. Day four is currently going on right now. So if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, make sure to subscribe, follow the podcast, and stay tuned on my YouTube channel just to make sure when that video for day four comes out because day four has already had some surprises and it's going to be, it's already like a very entertaining day four. But yeah, day two and day three were amazing. This US Open keeps chugging along. I'm super pumped. Still super pumped for the US Open. This is like one of the best times of the years. I'm so, honestly, I'm so happy that I'm into so many sports because <laughs> there's a lot of times of the year where I'm like super happy. Like, oh my God, it's it's the end of August, beginning of September. The US Open is here. And then like, and the NFL season's about to start. And then next month, it's like the NBA season's here. And then the World Cup is here. And it's just so many moments every month where I'm just like, yes, I'm so glad I'm into so many sports. But it's also so hard to keep up with everything. And, you know, maybe you guys could, maybe some of you guys could uh, relate to this. Or maybe you guys just like tennis. And, you know, that's pretty good, too, because tennis is year-round and there's a lot of tournaments. And it goes all over the world. So you might... Like, oh, my plan a trip here. Regardless, let's keep it moving. Uh, today, the Premier League match day five concluded. And, man, the table looks pretty, pretty interesting. Arsenal stay perfect. They win. They're five for five, 15 points. Man City look amazing. They only have one draw, 13 points, four wins. Tottenham draw again, 11 points. They're number three. Brighton loses, but they're still a top four. United, with their third straight victory, climb to fifth. Liverpool, second straight victory. They now have eight points. Leeds, they've been stumbling a little bit, but they're still seventh. And then Fulham, Southampton. Chelsea at 10 are struggling. Uh, Newcastle, 12. They probably deserve a little bit better than 12. And then Brentford, 11th. Crystal Palace, 13th. West Ham, 14th. Nottingham Forest 15, Bournemouth 16, Everton 17th, my Wolves at 18 who have been disgusting, despicable, got to talk about them in a little bit, Aston Villa 19th, and Leicester, <laughs> Leicester at 20th, that's how the table looks after five match days, um, but match day five was a good one, Manchester United win the third in a row, that match just concluded about an hour ago, it wasn't a perfect game, wasn't amazing, you expected them to beat Leicester with Leicester just struggling mightily right now. And they get it done. Manchester United win. 1-0. Sancho scores. Good for him. Uh, Leicester are, it just feels like they're nosediving into relegation. But two tails of two teams. United going up. Climbing climbing the, the table. They're now fifth. Who would have thought after their first two losses were disgusting and and just embarrassing, and it was like the worst start for a United team ever. Like, I don't know, I don't know if that's actual actually through um true, but that's literally how it felt. It felt like everything was just caving in on United, and this was this was the end. Like this was it. Like Glaciers are gonna have to sell. United is a small team now. They're just and that could still be true, but now with three straight victories, they are now five on the table, which is not bad after five games. And uh, Liverpool squeak out a victory against Newcastle. That was tough on Newcastle, like to go 
to get the the extra time and then or the additional minutes that they add um stoppage time and then to go over that for almost two minutes and that's when you give up the goal that has to be a crucial way to go to lose to liverpool and uh, i can see why they would be mad and they'll be rushing to the ref and telling him like yo why did we play so much over the time but i could also see newcastle was time wasting they were you know doing their little ta- tactics and being smart about it and trying to waste as much time. So I can see why the ref played over. But it's just unfortunate. Newcastle Newcastle are going to be a problem this year, and especially with their signing of Isaac. Isaac, it's Isaac however you say it, he's, he's amazing. He's a good signing, Swedish player. He's, I think he's, he's, his game fits perfectly for the Premier League. He's a pacey player. He could control his body. I've seen him play for Sweden, and he's, he's, he's a dog. He's great. He looked dangerous the whole game, the whole time he was on for Newcastle. And he should have had a second one, but he was just a tad bit offsides. And for Liverpool, not the prettiest of games. Like, I have some... Matt has been on the show, and he's a Liverpool, big Liverpool fan. And, you know, he basically summed it up with not good enough. And it's true, not good enough. Um, we'll see if it'll be good enough the rest of the season. And But I don't think it will because City look amazing. Halan looks amazing. And let's just talk about them. They thoroughly dispatched Nottingham Forest 6-0. It was over when it started. Like that was a that was that was just textbook beatdown. Um Holland gets his second. Uh Erling Holland gets his second uh hat trick in two weeks. He has nine goals in five games. And the scoring started at, in the twelfth minute. And it ended in the 38th minute for Halan, who just looked amazing. He's the menace, who just seems to be at the perfect place at the right time. And he's such a physical stature up front. He's such a presence. Um, he's so big. He's so fast. He's so strong. Like, City's going to be a problem this year. And I kind of said that at the beginning of the season. Like, I, I thoroughly expected City to be a problem this year just because of Halan. Like, they got... I know they're used to playing that little false nine and putting midfielders up there and just putting people out of their position. And I know that's Pep's whole thing. And I know it's worked to perfection with Barcelona, but it never really worked amazingly with City. Yeah, they got the results, but that was mostly because of just the massive amount of talent they have. Now they have a legit number nine, one of the best nines in the world, and he's thriving and he looks amazing. And that whole team is just so deep. It's crazy. City are going to run away with the league. And they're going to be able to focus on Champions League. And that's going to be a, a scary sight. Julian Alvarez scores 2-2. Two, two. Who's the backup? The backup for Holland just scoring goals for fun too. Obviously, they're playing Nottingham Forest, who did spend a lot of money this offseason. But, you know, it is, it is Forest. So take it with a grain of salt. But Man City have started the season on a rampage. And... I would. I know Arsenal is playing great, and we'll talk about them right now. But it's gonna be a tough, tough, tough ask of Arsenal to keep <laughs> to keep this two point advantage on City. It's gonna be a tough, tough, tough ask. But we'll see if they're able to do it because they were able to get squeak out a victory two one against Aston Villa. They get it done um, in the seventy seventh minute. Gabriel Martinelli gets the winner. Gabriel Jesus scores another one. Gabriel Jesus is amazing, and I've already I've touched about this on the on the episode with Matt about how I I think Brazil are gonna be the team to watch at the World Cup because before I I, I like their talent everywhere, but I just thought they didn't really have a goal scorer, and that's 
kind of like a natural striker goal scorer. And that's kind of been their weakness in the last few World Cups. Like you see them going into into it with like Fred, like the World Cup, the 2014 World Cup. Fred was starting and 2018 World Cup. I can't even tell you. Uh, yeah, they had uh, Firmino, but he's not he's not the most goal scoring number nine. He's like a facilitator. He's kind of like builds it up. He helps others score as much as almost as much as he scores himself. With Gabriel Jesus peaking right now with the World Cup ahead, like you should be scared for Brazil. But anyways, Arsenal look good. They get another victory. They're perfect. They stay perfect in the league, and we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Right now, Arteta looks like he's like he's completely shifted this team, and there has there has been an influx of money into that team. So that's good to see that you know these transfers are paying their dividends. And that's mostly it for match day five. Just uh, obviously, I'm missing two. Actually, Chelsea lose. Um, Chelsea lose to Southampton two one. Like the wheels are coming off the wagon for Chelsea. Like what's going on over there? They've never really played like amazing football. Like it's never been like super fun to watch Chelsea. But they would always get results, and they would play tough defense. And now they're getting scored on, and they're still not playing the most eye pulling football. And they're losing, but you know maybe it's just a slow start. Right now they're tenth in the in the Premier League table, and who have they played? They played Southampton, they played Leicester, um, they played Leeds, they tied against Tottenham, they beat Everton. And so you know, it's not the toughest of schedules to have ten points and to lose against or to they beat Leicester. I'm sorry. But they already beat the worst team in the in the division. Um, they got West Ham coming up, Fulham. They got Liverpool in a little bit. Chelsea got to turn around. They got to play my boy Pulisic a little bit more, even though he he's been struggling as of late too. But we're speaking about struggling. Let's talk about the Wolves. Let's talk about my Wolves, who currently sit in 18th place with zero victories, zero victories this whole tournament. This whole five weeks of the of the season. Everton, Wolves, and Leicester are the only teams that have not at least gotten one victory in five games. It's just sad. It's sad because like they've made moves. Like they they got some players. Like, what's going on? Why can't we win? Why can't the Wolves win? Like it's just ah, oh, it's so upsetting, man. They they get tied on in the in the 90th minute. <laughs> Like, come on, man, against Newcastle. They lose against Newcastle in the 90th minute, and then the, nothing happens against Bournemouth. Like, just nothing. Like, just uh, you get a bunch of shots, but only four on target. You get the possession, but, you know, you don't really do much with it. Oh, man, Raul Jimenez, come on. Like, let's get back to it. Guedes, he's still, he's still fighting his footing with the team. Um, I'm glad that Ruben Neves is going to stay with us. We got Nunez now building that partnership, that defense. Hopefully they get their footing. But I'm still I'm still upset about losing to Newcastle, to be honest, if I'm being completely 100. Yeah, tying to Burma, yeah, that just sucked. But I'm still upset about how we gave that game away against Newcastle. But rough start for the Wolves, rough start for Chelsea. Okay start for United and Liverpool and you see City and Arsenal topping the table 
what are you guys' reactions after five weeks in the Premier League? Um, as a Wolves fan, I can't say I'm having too much fun. As a fan of the Premier League, I'm definitely having a lot of a lot of fun. Like, there's been a lot of good games, like a lot of good games so far after five weeks. But let me know what you guys think. This has been episode 103 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening to the pod, subscribing to the pod. Just, you know, if you're a casual listener, you listen a couple times. Appreciate you too. If this is your first time here, appreciate you too. This is a podcast for people that like multiple sports like myself. I'm a fan of so many sports and I try to talk a little bit about every single one. And if you enjoy this, just make sure to keep up. I'm trying to be more consistent nowadays. Like you guys see, it's episode 103. So it's not like I've not been super, super inconsistent, but trying to build that consistency up. As always, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day.